Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast. I am your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to earn more and less time doing work they love for better clients. Just a quick reminder that you can find detailed show notes for this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 146. Those notes include a summary of our discussion here in this episode, as well as links to resources mentioned during the show. I'm often asked about freelance writing opportunities in the public sector. Now, I know these opportunities exist, but until I talk with this week's guest, I really didn't know what these opportunities look like or how you could go after them. And that's why I'm so excited about this episode. My guest is Katie Taylor, who's a CEO of Untold Content. And Untold Content is a writing consultancy based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Katie works with clients in government, healthcare, engineering, industry, and science. And a big part of her work over the years has been with government agencies. And in this conversation, she's going to talk about what what that's all about. You're going to learn about the opportunities writing for the public sector, including government agencies. And she's going to give you a great primer on what these contracts are about, what they look like, and some practical steps for getting started. Enjoy. Hey, Katie, welcome to the show. It's so great to be talking with you today. It's so great to meet you in person. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me onto the show. Uh, well, it, this is this is going to be a fun chat, and we're addressing a um, couple of things, but mostly a, a topic that I really don't know much about. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to dive into um, into our discussion. But you know, usually I, I start off by asking our guests to just to give a, a quick introduction. You know, so. Give us some background on yourself. Um, you know, how, what were you doing prior to going out on your own? Uh, how did you get started? You know, how did how did you get to to, to where you are today? Essentially, um, and then I'd like to ask you a little bit more about your your education because you have a PhD, and, and I find that really interesting. And in, in why you ended up where, where you are right now. Wonderful, thank you. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm Katie Trouth Taylor, and I'm CEO of a writing consultancy called Untold Content. And Untold Content is headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is also where I happen to grow up. Um, you know, I did not intend to start a company when I was an undergraduate English major. I decided I wanted to be an English professor and that that was the path that was right for my life. And I pursued that. Um, and along the way, discovered in particular that I'm extremely passionate about rhetoric and composition, which is a sort of sub-discipline within English studies that focuses on rhetoric or argumentation and composition or, you know, the art and style of writing. And, um, and so I pursued my PhD in rhetoric and writing at one of the oldest um, doctoral programs in RETCOMP in the nation, and that's at Purdue. Purdue University in um, in Indiana, and you know while I was there, I found that really inside of rhetoric and composition, the field of technical writing and professional writing, 
Um, and in particular, the study of public rhetorics, that those were just the areas of research and writing that uh, captured my interest that, to me, were very much focused on how to take technical and complex information and translate it so that many different audiences, even the general public, can understand it. Uh, Purdue is a very engineering and scientifically oriented university, and so it made a lot of sense to study that. And so I taught um, technical writing to engineering students there and uh, really just grew in my understanding of uh, scientific communication. And so that's really how I got my start. And right out of my PhD, I had the incredible, incredible fortune of landing a tenure-track job at Miami University, which is located in Oxford, Ohio, not far from Cincinnati. And so it's kind of unheard of, you know, to, to begin at a, a research university um, job right near your hometown where you can kind of make an impact on the communities where you grew up, but also still get to thrive in your in your academic research. And I loved it. I was teaching grant writing and professional writing, and the, the faculty and the students there were incredible. But as I was doing that, um, I was also consulting and, and getting more and more experience as a writing consultant and an organizational storytelling consultant both in the public sector and doing government work, but um, but also in the corporate and nonprofit sectors too, doing grant writing and uh, technical writing. So as my consulting work grew, I just really made, eventually made a really brave decision to move away from academia and decide, you know, I really can't be doing both of these careers at once. I need to make a decision. Um, and for me, the idea of having a consultancy where I could hire English majors and promote public intellectualism by working kind of out in the trenches with organizations and, and with technical experts. That was really just what brought me to life and why I ultimately decided to resign from Miami and open my company. Um, and so that's that's really my personal journey to untold content and how, how it got started um, and, and why. Wow. So, you know, that there's, for those of you who know a little bit about the tenure track, I mean, that, that was quite a risk, right? Uh, you're on this great track and suddenly you decide to abandon that and not for something that was unproven. It sounds like you've had good success at that point uh, in your consulting uh, work, but that still must have been quite scary. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. It was very unknown. Um, you know, there's not much training when you're getting a PhD in writing. There's very little, you know, business acumen and training that goes along with that. So I really didn't know hardly any other people um, who had graduate degrees in writing who were starting their own companies. I, I really was very steeped in in the professional identity of being an academic writer and researcher. So. Um, so yes, it felt it felt very brave to make that decision, and and it's also difficult because, um, as as anyone who has you know tried really hard to get a tenure track job, especially in English, knows it's um, it's almost it's just very difficult to enter back into that space after you leave it. You can't really just quit and then say, "Well, I'll come back here in a few years." So it was it was a huge career decision to to branch out like that. You really crossed the Rubicon, didn't you? Yeah, it's just, <laughs> now or never. I love it. I love it. So uh, one of the things that I really want to address today, because this is something that I've been asked about many times, and I, I just don't really have good answers for it because I'm very ignorant about this sector, is 
the public sector. Um, and you've had good, good success landing public sector clients. And uh, I guess maybe by way of introduction, can you describe from a writing and consulting perspective what that market is about? Sure, absolutely. So, so the public sector is massive. It, it basically refers to any government um, entities or agencies. Um, and I think sometimes when people think of the government, they think um, that the government is government and business is business. But the truth is that the government um, contracts out quite a bit of its products and services to small businesses and other business entities. Um, and in fact, every government agency has targets that they've set up um, in terms of the percentage of their contracted support that they will aim to award to small businesses. And in particular, um, minority-owned businesses or woman-owned businesses or veteran-owned small businesses. So um, every agency is different, but there are there is a, um, a legal in investment um, within the government to award um, products and service contracts to small businesses. And, um, and so that market, it's as, it's as vast and wide as the government is itself. Um, I personally am quite familiar with the Veterans Health Administration and the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, we've earned two subcontracts to do technical writing support and organizational uh, storytelling support for the VA. Um, over the last several years. Um, but, you know, we're also pursuing at this point, we're pursuing RFPs that come out of our local city. So the city of Cincinnati, um, you can look at the at the state level for different opportunities that come out. Um, in terms of writing and what's most interesting to, to myself and all of us uh, as business writers is um, the government is oftentimes looking for grant writing support, technical writing support, um, publication support. So I've seen um, different research groups at universities or um, different research laboratories inside of national labs or, for instance, in the Veterans Health Administration, clinical teams there are interested in publishing their insights and their findings from research in peer-reviewed publications and oftentimes need support with literature reviews or qualitative or mixed methods research. And, um, and then the publication strategy and the um, circulation strategy for, for when uh, the research gets accepted from a journal, how do we share that insight? Um, there's also a, a huge need for um, support with annual reports, research reports. Um, any, any kind of initiative in the government is, it needs to be accountable to the public because the ultimate purpose of government is to serve the public good. And so, um, so I think when you're thinking about the possibility of entering into um, a contract or subcontract for, for any government entity to keep in mind that, um, that their purpose is, is public good. And so knowing how to, um, knowing exactly, you know, what kinds of deliverables or approaches are needed to support that, um, in my experience, what I what I believe is, and what I've, what I've seen much value in in the public sector is the value of being able to translate the insights of experts for the public audience, for public audiences. And so that might look like making sure that EPA impact statements are legible, readable, making sure that any initiative started 
in the Department of Veterans Affairs, for instance, is able to be understood by um, by not just other physicians and nurses in the VA, but also the veterans themselves and the family members who are there to support them. Um, so I can share some more examples of, of the kind of, of work that we've done that might help bring it to life. But that is, um, th those are some of the the, the range of so service support that we've provided, um, that Untold Content has provided, and that I've provided as a consultant, um, and, and what other, you know, writers, professional writers listening to the, this podcast may want to pursue. So just to make sure I understand, we, we maybe we could look at it a couple of different dimensions. One would be, you know, there's federal, there's state, and there's local. And then within those, there are obviously agencies, and then there's a wide range of agencies. And then within each of these agencies, there are different needs, which you mentioned, you know, grant writing, technical writing, uh, publications, annual reports, research reports, and so forth. Um, is that maybe a good uh, way to, to, to kind of sort this out? Yes, Absolutely. And, and, and I got a question. We should probably take a quick step back, but um, you know, how many uh, people are in your in your team right now? It sounds like you know you've grown to to, to a decent sized team. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So I I resigned from my academic job about a year and a half ago, and I hired my first employee a year ago, and now at this point we're a five woman writer team. Wow. Um, yeah. So quick. five. Yes. Yes. It's. Been, it's been really great rapid growth, um, and that's actually because in the last year, um, I've actually diversified um, and, and accepted more clients in the corporate and nonprofit sector, too. So um, before that, when I was an academic, I was only doing public sector work, um, and public sector contracts for writing consultants, it's actually really great because the government, as we all know, works on a, a yearly annual fiscal budget. And so most government contracts are written as a one-year contract, um, typically based on an hourly rate um, with a not-to-exceed amount. And then that's, or it, it could depend. There are also definitely RFQs and RFPs out there for project-based services. Like, for instance, I saw one today um, that they needed support for writing an annual annual report, and it was going to be a four-month contract. So those certainly exist, and they were, you know, the bid was structured so that you would have to quote for a particular price just for that product. Um, but more typically in writing RFPs I've seen from the public sector, um, I've seen, you know, them looking to secure a write, writing support for one year, and usually there are option years that are added to that um, sometimes going upwards of five years, where each year as Congress approves the budget, then um, that particular agency or contracting officer who awarded that contract to your company, they can choose to renew it with you if there's still budget for it. So even even in things that are very well defined, uh, th there's still kind of a time span associated with it. Like you mentioned, the annual report, that's a, a very well defined um, deliverable there was still, in that example, a four-month uh, contract associated with it. Yes, I find that RFQs and, and solicitations coming from the government tend to have very clear requirements. Um, everything is pretty much written in ink and in stone, and, and what they say is what they need. And um, 
you know, the contracts that I began with in, in the government with the Department of Veterans Affairs, those were actually structured um, slightly more flexibly than that example that I just provided about the annual report. So they were um, just called technical writing facilitation support. That was the title of those contracts. And that was set for, you know, a base period, which that means the first year and then an option period one, option period two. Those are the follow on years. So they'll approve uh, one year at a time. And um, and for that, it was a, in this, in, in one year, you, we will provide, you know, we will provide technical writing support at this hourly rate up to this many hours in the year. And then we would invoice on a monthly basis for that. Gotcha. And has your experience been that um, typically what, what the contract amount uh, ends up being and to get gets you. So, in other words, you'll agree to provide it for a year at this particular rate, but they will go ahead and use you. It's not the kind of thing where they just kind of forget about you, right? Right. Absolutely. I think it's like any, it's like any um, useful, valuable, and strategic approach to consulting. You know. I take pride in making sure that our team embeds ourselves and immerses ourselves in the organizations that we support. And I think with any contract, whether you've structured it um, through a project rate or especially if you're talking about retainer clients, and that's how I would view public sector contracts that are lengthy like this, is certainly like this is a top customer of ours. And we're going to be supporting them long term, month to month on a regular retainer. And so we're going to embed ourselves into the organization, make sure that we're connecting with the right stakeholders, understanding their needs. Um, And to me, there's this beauty in um, certainly meeting every requirement that's asked of us. But as a consultant, I think we have a responsibility to imagine what deliverables they should be publishing that maybe they're not publishing yet or they didn't think to ask for. And that's, I think, when you, you know, and I hear this lesson in your podcast frequently, but, you know, it's that creative moment where where you, where you see into a, a way of communicating some piece of knowledge or, or helping to your organization to communicate some insight um, in a format or in, a, in a, an approach that they hadn't considered before. Um, so a quick example I'll share with, with this is that um, when the VA was having its access crisis a few years ago, and so many veterans were struggling to be seen by doctors, um, it was a national crisis. And the director of the VA Um, issued a mandate that all veterans need same-day appointments. And the response to that was to use lean systems engineering to improve the system's processes within the VA. And the particular center that I worked with in the VA and that I provided technical writing support for was the Veterans Engineering Resource Centers. And that was a national-level network of engineering centers where systems engineers would go out and help different VA medical centers implement systems engineering processes to improve their clinical outcomes and get patients seen faster and um, make sure that veterans were getting the care that they deserve. And as I saw them implement lean systems engineering, I just heard so many stories from nurses and doctors and CEOs and veterans themselves saying, this has drastically improved my access to care. This has helped me feel like I'm heard and and visible. And so 
we were already writing annual reports and project initiative you know, outcome statements and designing infographics to show the outcome of those efforts. But um, they hadn't necessarily thought to write a book about it. Um, and there were just so many powerful stories. And so we, at that point, I had already been consulting for a couple of years within the engineering resource centers. And so I suggested, you know, you may very much want to consider communicating all of these efforts back to the public. And so um, ended up writing a book proposal, getting that accepted. And, um, and that book should, should be published soon. It's currently in press. But we co-authored that book, did all of the research, traveled to four different VA medical centers to interview people um, who had been impacted by those changes. Um, and so that's, to me, that's this, that's this beautiful um, part of being immersed with the clients that you're working with. And um, to get back to your earlier question, which was more of a strategic question, you know, how do you make sure that that not to exceed amount that you try to kind of get close to that amount while you think about what the organization needs and the stories it's not telling yet or the deliverables that they haven't imagined creating yet. Um, and you you make sure that, that you're embedding it and not just sort of um, taking everything only at face value or, or lacking the creativity or the inspiration to do that. Yeah, so it's essentially what you would do with any client, right? Especially when you're uh, kind of deeply embedded in the organization. You don't want to be an order taker. You want to think creatively. You want to bring ideas to the table. You want to be a trusted partner, and it's no different. What I'm yes. hearing here is no, just because it's the public sector doesn't mean that uh, things change. You should act the same way as you would in the private sector. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's even more hunger in the public sector for people who are creative and inspired and aren't um, kind of burnt out. <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of people in government work thankless jobs doing really incredible work, and it's not flashy and it's not it's not sexy, but it is um, it's so very important and it's very much deserving of strong communication and and clarity around, especially around processes when you're talking about bureaucracies that are that large. Um, there's just so much need, in my opinion, for strong technical writers who can communicate things that um, in, in a way that makes complex processes more clear for people, which anyone who's ever gone to the you know BMV should feel me on this one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I want to kind of start getting a little bit more tactical uh, here over the next few questions. So you've, you've given us a really good overview and some great examples of what's out there. And of course, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It sounds like there's so many opportunities. I'm curious, if somebody listening, they, you've piqued their interest, how do you get started in this market? You know, wh what do you need to do well? And then I want to kind of get into, you know, how do I identify opportunities and, and prospects? Perfect. Yep, absolutely. So on a tactical level, you know, all of the all of the advice that you would hear about making sure that you have a clear business concept, branding, um, that that you know your brand story is is clear and communicated well, um, that you've kind of identified how you know you're, you're, how you're going to diversify your sales, what kinds of services you'll provide. All of that is the homework that you have to do before you're ready to move on to the more you know tactical steps of making yourself eligible for government work. There are two ways, um, two key ways, I would say, to pursue public sector work. Number one is to become a prime government vendor yourself. 
And that means that your organization, your entity is directly applying and bidding on solicitations and opportunities that are coming out from the government, whether that's federal, city, state, local. Um, Prime vendor means that you are the prime awardee of a contract. That is hard to do. Um, And so the second way, that, and I'll, I'll go more into how you can set yourself up for that. The second way to do public sector work is by being a subcontractor. And that means that you're partnering with other entities that are perhaps larger or more diversified. Um, and, and you're providing, you're, you're earning a subcontract, which, you know, you're sort of proposing with that larger organization on solicitations that come out. So both of the contracts that I had for technical writing facilitation in the VA were actually through a prime government vendor. Those were both subcontracts and they were through the Purdue Center for Medication Safety Advancement. So I actually found out about this oppor- these opportunities um, by being a PhD student at Purdue and seeing a call come out from our department of pharmacy asking for a technical writer. And so I interviewed, several other students interviewed, and um, I think some faculty too, and I ended up, uh, you know, getting that opportunity. And that was the start of my company. Um, I had an incredible mentor at Purdue named Kathy Scott, and she was in the Department of Pharmacy and um, has just, you know, been the, the kind of point of contact on, I believe, over 30 government contracts at this point. Um, But universities will oftentimes serve as a prime vendor. There are also just tons of companies out there. And in the case of technical writers, um, our strategy at Untold Content right now is to partner with engineering firms and um, other technical service providers because writing is often embedded as a service within a larger umbrella contract. And so an example is we recently worked with a, an engineering firm um, to provide technical writing for design guides within the VA. So this was a, a totally different subcontract um, from the systems engineering center I was telling you about before and from Purdue. But this was just through a small um, you know, engineering firm and they were contracted to design how pathology and laboratory medicine service units were structured. And so we came in and applied design thinking and qualitative research to um, let subject matter experts communicate what um, what those spaces should be, how they should function. And then we wrote and did document design support for those guides. And that all happened through networking. So a lot of the same principles that you're applying when you're trying to get corporate clients or nonprofit clients, if you're a grant writer, that um, that's very similar to what you would apply if you're trying to pursue subcontracts in the public sector. And my best advice is if you've never done public sector work or government work and you're interested in getting involved, that would be the right approach. Um, position yourself as a subcontractor. Um, and the strategy I'd recommend for doing that is creating a capability statement. Um, and actually, we have a template and a blog post that we are publishing. Um, we just published on untoldcontent.com slash blog. Um, if you go check it out, we've got a capability statement um, description and template. We just explain how to write a capability statement. But it's essentially just a one-pager, um, and there's a particular format that you follow. Every government contracting officer, which is the internal, those are the internal folks within the government who are responsible for um, finding great 
companies to provide goods and services to the government. Uh, they're the ones who, you know, put out solicitations and RFQs and RFPs and, and head up the decision-making process for which company to award different contracts to. So contracting officers um, are used to seeing capability statements and they're going to want to see yours. So, um, you know, finding out which agencies, kind of making some decisions on which agencies you think you may have expertise in. So um, right now we're actually trying to um, network and grow more with um, the nuclear, um, uh, with agencies that support nuclear sciences because our new science writer, Alicia Sero, just finished her PhD, of all things, in nuclear forensics. And so you kind of find, you know, what are what's your niche? Like, wh- what are the things that, um, that might be unique or, uh, you know, if you've worked in healthcare before for, um, you know, community-based healthcare organizations or corporate healthcare, then you may want to pursue something like VA um, Veterans Health Administration contracts. So, um, but yeah, a capability statement is the place to start. And all of the principles around email marketing and communicating and networking go into that particular approach. Now, with with capability statements, are you suggesting that you have one even if you're not going directly to an agency, even if you're going through an intermediary? Yep, exactly. So you'll send your capability statement to, you can send it to government agencies to network with contracting officers, but you can also send it to prime government vendors. Um, So those companies and organizations that are already winning government contracts for larger umbrella support services and that you see that they need technical writing or grant writing or research writing as part of that, you want to be networking with those prime vendors and um, finding out who you should be connecting with at that organization and sending them your capability statement, trying to get a creative share on the calendar or um, come in to, to share your capabilities with them. That's a really good first step. You know, what? Uh, it, it sounds like a lot of this is, uh, you know, you've mentioned networking a few times. It's really just kind of finding the initial gate to kind of get in uh, into the game, right? So uh, how I'm trying to figure out how can you make this, somebody who's interested in, in going in this direction, um, and maybe they have some ideas. Like you mentioned the healthcare example. Maybe they have a nursing uh, degree and in, in work experience. Uh but what would be maybe a good way to um, to put yourself out there? Because I know there's so many organizations, so many groups. From a networking standpoint, um, how can you make that practical and, and yet inefficient, uh, right? So you're not just going to pretty much any group that's out there. Uh, you're not calling everybody in your network. Uh, how can you give this process a little bit of direction? What would be your advice? Yeah, a couple of different um, pieces of advice. Number one, every government, so let maybe I'll narrow this to, you know, federal opportunities at this point, sure. because it, if you're interested in local opportunities, there's going to be far less competition for that. And you can look up your local, like for me, it would be city of Cincinnati, RFPs or contracting opportunities. And you can pursue getting registered with your city and um, some cities they'll, you know, put you on a list and you'll get emails when opportunities come out on other cities. They're just going to publish on their web page and you will have to go and search, um, search there. So though that's a little more nuanced and it really depends on the city and the state. But, um, in terms of federal opportunities, anything over any contract that will be awarded over $25,000 has to be published on FBO.gov, FedBizOps. 
FBO.gov. And the nice thing about FBO is you can search for solicitations, but you can also search for awards. Mm -hmm. And so one way to identify prime government vendors is to see, um, to look back and do some analysis on, you know, was there a... Um, a, a sewer wastewater management RFP that required research reports alongside it and who won that award and if it was you know identifying and also you can see who the interested vendors were um, on that solicitation so that will give you some insight into what other prime vendors either applied or considered applying or I say apply but I mean bid um, so, so that's one way is to look at fedbizops.gov and search awards. Um, there are also so many tools out there. We are registered, um, on a tool called Bidmatch, which sends us daily alerts for new opportunities that are, that in, involve our keywords. Um, there's also another kind of new startup called BidView out of Texas. We've actually done some content strategy support for BidView and those guys are two veterans. They created an app that basically takes every federal contracting opportunity, I'm sorry, not federal, every state and local opportunity in Texas and combines it on one app in one place, which is incredible because as I was just describing, um, local contracts, local opportunities can be really nuanced from state to state and city to city. So having all of that combined into one app is pretty awesome. So BidView is a good service. Uh, BidMatch is good. And we at Untold Content, we have BidMatch through the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce. And the USWCC um, is the agent, not the agent, the association that awarded us with um a woman-owned small business certification. And so to answer your other question about, you know, how do I narrow my networking strategy? Well, if you are a minority business owner or what's called a historically underutilized business, a hub zone business, um, if you're a woman-owned small business, an economically disadvantaged woman-owned small business, or if you're a veteran or especially a service-disabled veteran, um, if you have any kind of sort of qualifier like that in your leadership and in your, your ownership, that will allow you to apply um, even more strategically. So, so every federal agency has goals for um, what percentage of their contracts they'll award to small businesses, but then especially, in my case, to woman-owned small businesses. So getting that woman-owned, it's called WASB, a little different than an industry where um, it's the Women Business Enterprise certification that you want when you're working with corporations, with like big co's. But um, if you're wanting to work in, inside the government um, as a woman-owned business owner, you need to get WASB status, so woman-owned small business. And having you know, your service-disabled veteran-owned small business, and that's called SDVOSB, or your hub zone, having that certification is another way to enter into a community. Um, so for me, I, I go to USWCC events. I uh, just went up to Columbus a few months ago for their um, Midwest contracting summit and that was an incredible networking opportunity i got to meet with um people from wright patterson air force base which is located in did you say your hometown was dayton well no my parents lived actually live. my dad was in the air force and he was stationed at wright pat uh oh for, yeah for a couple years Wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, events like that are sponsored by organizations um, that are trying to support small businesses. And even if you're not a minority or a woman or a veteran, you can also um, look at the Small Business Administration. If you just Google SBA contracting, 
there are so many resources out there to help you know all the steps involved. Um, and, you know, getting back to our bigger question about if you want to pursue being a prime government vendor, then you'll definitely want to look into SBA uh, contracting resources to see what that process is like. It does take some time. Um, you know, for us, you, you, you sort of have to start by getting a DUNS number through DUNS and Bradstreet, and then you have to register in SAM.gov, and then you need to identify your NACE codes. It's a lot of acronyms. SBA does a really good job of explaining it all. And, um, and then if you want to differentiate your company, having an additional certification like our WASB is another good way. Uh, you know, I'm curious in terms of if you want to go the indirect route and approach a uh, government vendor, uh, which sounds like it's a smart way to get started. Uh, do you recommend uh, reaching out to some of these vendors once you've done the homework you talked about a little bit earlier, just sending them a warm prospecting email saying, hey, I noticed you landed you know, this, this opportunity. Uh, here's where I may be able to help you. Should we connect? Is that a smart way of doing things or is that a no-no in this industry? It's very smart. Um, chances are, I will say, I know I gave that strategy of you know, searching for awards to to see what organizations, what prime vendors are winning. Um, chances are, if they won the contract, that they already probably have their project team in place for that particular opportunity. But what what that does for you by seeing who's winning, that allows you to see the kinds of contracts that they take on. Um, and it also allows you to know, okay, you know, this particular contract required annual report writing or grant writing. So I provide those services. I'm going to reach out to them, especially to their um, contracting specialist or the person in charge of federal opportunities for them or public, their public sector strategist or who, that person has different roles. Um, it might just be their RFP coordinator. But you'd find the right person to contact at that company. And I think that framing your email or your outreach in that way by saying, we you know, provide these kinds of services, we see that you've won them before, that's a good strategy. I think an even better, probably more differentiated strategy is to find an upcoming solicitation that you think aligns well with what that prime vendor has won in the past. Um, they may have their eye on it, they may not. Make sure that it incorporates some kind of service that could be subcontracted to you and that makes sense to you. Um, but bringing opportunities to prime vendors and saying, hey, have you seen this? Are you interested? Do you want to partner? That is more enticing um, because it's it's kind of taking the legwork out of it for for the vendor and um, and giving them something that that can be of interest. Um, another benefit that we all have as professional writers is that um, we're good at writing. So the whole this whole process is proposal writing, and it can be very time intensive and it's scrutinized. And these proposals, you know, f proposals for federal contracts. Um, you really have to, you know, dot all your I's, cross every T, make sure that the information is formatted exactly like they say. Um, sometimes these RF, RFQs or solicitations, they're like 30 plus pages long. It takes a long time to even decide if it, the opportunity is worth applying for. Um, so as you're thinking about networking and building relationships with primes, it's a good idea to... Um, you know, maybe provide an opportunity that's specific and say, I'm very interested in doing this for as a consultant or through my company. So are you interested in partnering? Partnering is, is really um, 
a really, really smart way to think about being a subcontractor. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. And I can see how once you're in and you have a track record um, under your belt, then this becomes uh, a lot easier, right? Uh, yes. Just like with the private sector. Uh, this has been fascinating, Katie. I, I had <laughs> no idea that there were so many opportunities within the public sector. Of course, I mean, we know that this is it's huge, but I, I had no idea that they were so varied, so diverse, and and so deep. And some of these are, how would you ever know? Some of the things you described, these are what I like to call invisible opportunities, right? They're, they're unless you're directly in contact with that particular agency in this particular role, uh, it's just, uh, you'll, you'll never be exposed to some of this yet. You know, you just a small slice of a slice of a slice of the market to be more the work that you can take on, even with a team of five, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. You know, I I truly um, owe the start of my company of, uh, you know, untold content was born because of a government contract opportunity and because of how long and sustaining that is, um, which, you know, it's, it's so aligned to to my, I think what we all hold as, as consultants, our, our value system of believing that the best way to impact an organization is through lasting support um, and that the best writing happens in collaboration and in clear understanding of an organization's mission and how they operate. So the fact that government contracts are typically at least one year long, um, it's good for our values as consultants, but it's also really smart for our businesses and to help them grow. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful advice and and insights with us today, Katie. And before I say goodbye, uh, where can listeners learn more about untold content and about your, your work? Yes, yes, please. Um, please hop over to our website, untoldcontent.com. You can check out our blog. We um, are really excited this year. We are writing another book. Um, this book is going to be about public intellectualism, actually. So we'll be rolling out uh, blog posts on different topics, everything from um, how to make communications accessible to how to translate research insights. Um, and it's going to be a really awesome year in terms of our content strategy. Um, but please, you know, join us on, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook at Untold Content. And um, we just love sharing, you know, what we're learning as writing consultants and are very much interested in connecting with larger communities of writers. So uh, definitely keep in touch and feel free to email me as well. Um, I'm Katie Trouth Taylor. So um, you can reach out to us at info at untoldcontent.com and also keep an eye on any um, opportunities that we post on our page for uh, writers, especially as um, as particular opportunities come up. We, uh, we oftentimes contract or um, at this point, we're very focused on growing our team. So internally by hiring. Well, I can tell you this thing about this about our tribe, Katie. You will get some emails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wonderful. We got some great, great people on board. So, uh, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes, including the one about the uh, capability statement. And uh, yeah, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. How fun. This is wonderful. I'm so grateful for this resource. And uh, as you call it, the tribe. <laughs> Take care. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.